Hello and welcome. I'm Pastor Vincent Grissom, and this is Applying God's Word, a teaching ministry from the Word of God. This is study number 78, titled, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. Let's begin the new year with a passage from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 6. Verse 1. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? There is a comfort in knowing Jesus, a comfort zone that is indescribable and satisfying, fulfilling and complete. In this passage of Hebrews chapter 13, the writer is dealing with our ethics, Christian ethics, and he focuses on sexual purity, satisfaction with what we have, and for us to be firm and unwavering in the faith. In dealing with the second part of this passage, I want to suggest that when we really know and believe that Christ will never leave us nor forsake us, three things ought to be affected in our daily walk. Number one, it ought to affect our conversation. Number two, it ought to affect our contentment. And number three, it ought to affect our confidence. Knowing that Christ will never leave you nor forsake you should affect our conversation. Now, I think I ought to tell you that this passage is not talking about the way we talk in practical terms, but rather it places emphasis on our character. The NASB reads the verse this way, Let your character be free from the love of money. Love of money is one of the most common forms of covetousness, partly because money can be used to secure so many things that we want. But I'm here to tell you that whether it's the gambling houses in Las Vegas or other key locations around the world or the lottery ticket down at the corner store, loving money is lusting after material riches, whatever the form is. A Christian should be free from such love of material things. Now, I'll recognize that I said should. What I'm saying is that there's a number of Christians that still struggle here and have some growing and maturing to do because love of money is sin against God. It's a form of distrust. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 cautions us that loving money is trusting in uncertain riches rather than the living God. It's looking for security in material things instead of our Heavenly Father. Jesus warns us in Luke 12, verses 15 to watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. 
Adonias and Sapphira paid for their greed and attempted deceit with their lives when they lied to the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Greed is a great sin before God. It has kept many unbelievers out of the kingdom, and it has caused many believers to lose the joy of the kingdom, and worse. Now, I don't want to give you the impression that it is wrong to earn or have wealth. Abraham and Job were extremely wealthy. The New Testament mentions a number of faithful believers who had considerable wealth. It is the love of money that is a root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang, we are told in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It is the longing after it and the trusting in it that is sinful. Some people think, if I just had some money, all my problems would go away. But there are large numbers of wealthy people who will tell you that they still have all the same fears, insecurities, and inadequacies, plus a few more than they had before they were wealthy. Because money is not the answer. A lonely, desperate life with money without Jesus Christ, is still a lonely, desperate life. Fear is often a factor in trusting in money instead of trusting in the promise of God to never leave us or forsake us. In Numbers chapter 13, we read about the 12 leaders in Israel, 10 of whom were gripped with fear despite the promises of God. They could not see past their own inadequacies and so rejected what God had offered them. Two others, on the other hand, saw the problems before them, but knew God was over them. So, what do you fear? For some, it's the fear of an adversary. Let's have a look at Numbers 13, verses 27 to 33, referring to those 12 leaders in Israel sent to explore the land. Verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of giant size. We saw the Nephilim. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. You see, genuine faith is not marked by a lack of any struggle or failure. The life of faith is often marked by intense struggle and frequent failure. But there is struggle. Precisely, because faith knows and cares what it is and ought to be. Faith never forgets that God has made a promise of Canaan. Therefore, 
we see Joshua encouraging the Israelites not to lose hope nor fear the adversary here in Numbers chapter 14 verses 7 through 9. Verse 7, And said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. How we all need to be reminded of this. Canaan was a type of the kingdom of God. The promise of the kingdom of God is given to every believer. But how many are discouraged by the difficulties in the way? An unmotivated heart sees dangers, lions, and giants everywhere, and therefore refuses to proceed in the God-directed path. Many of the leaders contribute to this by the bad reports they bring of the God-given country. Some preachers today will agree that the land is good, and it flows with milk and honey, and go so far as to show some of its fruit. But they discourage the people by stating the impossibility of overcoming their enemies. Sin, they say, cannot be destroyed in this life. It will always dwell in you. The Anakim cannot be conquered. We are but grasshoppers against the Anakim, and so on. But here and there, a Joshua and a Caleb, trusting alone in the power of God, armed with faith in the infinite efficacy of that blood which cleanses from all unrighteousness, boldly stand forth and say, The giants you see no longer have a defense. It has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Let us go up at once and possess the land, for we are well able to overcome. We can do all things through Christ strengthening us. He will purify us unto himself and give us that rest from sin here, which his death has procured and his word has promised. Difficulties that are in the way of salvation dwindle and vanish before a lively, active faith in the power and promise of our Lord Jesus Christ. All things are possible if they are promised to him that believes, but carnal sense and carnal professors are not to be trusted. Unbelief overlooks the promises and power of God. It magnifies every danger and difficulty and fills the heart with discouragements. Your fears may involve concerns for your children, your job, and these days, your health. Your fears may focus on what others think of you and what you think of yourself. Your fears may heighten when confronted by a superior or questioned by an underling. So what's the problem with these fears? We may not be immobilized by them. So what harm do they present, you may ask? It's not as though we can't function, so why worry about them? Well, the problem with our fears is not the fear itself, but what they reveal about our thoughts of God. If we are so afraid of people that we stop following what the Lord says, we do not trust Him.
it shows that we have doubted his plan, his power, and his promises. We have failed to recognize that he, above all others, is the one to be feared, which means he is to be reverenced, trusted, loved, and obeyed. May our Father forgive us for fearing what we should not be afraid of, and for not fearing and trusting him. Fear keeps us from repentance, but faith keeps us from fear. At the end of the day, the choice is yours. Fear God, and you'll have nothing else to fear. May the Lord help us to believe. We shall then find all things possible. May the Lord help us not to fear, but trust him when he says that he will never leave us or forsake us. May we all learn to say in faith from our heart, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid.